Hey guys, it's Jenny and Callie here, um, recapping our new favorite obsession, Outer Banks. We are on episode four, which is called Spy Games. This is probably me and Callie's favorite episode or one of our top favorite episodes. This was at least episode for us where we were like hooked. We were like, we're going to not watch until we finish. Um, and so it's the things to cover. Um, we will start now saying this spoiler warning as always. Um, we will be talking about all 10 episodes, but obviously this episode will be our primary focus. Um, so if kind of a disappointment in the beginning, uh, John B, JJ, Pope, and Kiara, the Pope, are on the boat looking for it. And so they're using this camera and they really find nothing down there. They don't find any kind of treasure and it's very disappointing uh, and so it's, that's kind of going, going on and it's kind of a downfall after that. Um, so John B goes home and he finds a social worker actually and they are like, we, we're going to take you away now. You're going into foster care. Um, John B tries to run away, but obviously the cop brings a cop and they presumed to chase John B through the street. And then she actually, he actually runs into Sarah Cameron. Um, and then they go on this little adventure later because he gets hurt. Um, as he's trying to escape, he gets hurt. So she like, is like, oh, like, let me take care of you. Takes her back to his house. Um, and they see, uh, this photo on her wall of this slave and John B with some of his like uh, background paperwork that he had from I think his father's package that he sent him episode uh, realizes that the picture that all was he was actually a survivor of the USS merchant and so they go on this adventure to see if they can find um, you know, like and some stuff about him and you know so they go to Chapel Hill to find all this and they go on an adventure John B and Sarah they're pretty much together this entire episode um, lots to unpack there which we will later just all their little interactions because there's so many um, and then we kind of have the downfall of what happened with Pope sinking Topper uh, and his mom decide to press charges. And at the end of the episode, they go to Pope's father's store to arrest him. They arrest Pope, but JJ ends up taking the fall for him. And we will be deep diving <laughs> For probably yeah. a full 10 minutes because this was our our moment where we're like, yeah, we will do anything for these characters. Um, and then at the very end of the episode, you see 
Rafe and Sarah, or not Rafe, you see Sarah and John B coming back from their trip and they share this very passionate kiss. It's like the start of their relationship. And then the final scene of the episode, you see this mysterious man with a compass and a hook and find out that those two men get murdered by a hook. And you see this mysterious man again with John B's dad's compass and a hook. And again, cliffhanger. That's how the episode ends. So lots to kind of unpack here. Um, Kind of episode four. Um, I'm trying to think anything, Callie, you want to like start out with? like talk about um i just okay should we just go right into topper (laughs) since we're basically topper stands at this point on Um, this podcast what do you want to say about before we go into topper because i i feel like we will um i love like the beginning speech by john b where he's like he's talking about like childhood dreams where you're like, he says something about like, oh, you know, you can, um, there's like a, there's a moment in life when you know that you've made it, whether you've like become president or you've done all these like big things, you've achieved this big role that you've always wanted. And I think it's like such a disappointment in the beginning because they don't fulfill, there's no big moment for them because they don't find this merchant and I think it, like, speaks to, like, you realize just how, I feel like, they're only 16. And, like, I feel like throughout this whole, these whole episodes, you're going to see their futures be, like, somewhat dashed multiple times. This is just, like, the beginning of it. Um, but I just, like, loved his little speech in the beginning. So. But, yeah, we. Oh, with, um, yeah, the, with narr- the narration. It reminds me a lot of, um. Cole Sprouse from Riverdale like his narration is so good it I just love I love it anyway so yeah we can start talking about Topper because we are I think fans of Topper somehow I don't know how this happened but it did yeah Um, (laughs) so we see this interaction in the beginning with Topper and his mom and it's you know there it's when the police are finding that they're finding the aftermath of the boat sinking and uh you know his mom's like really pissed at him you know he's like he's like arguing with her and then you know he goes he says to her he goes mom why do you think this is my fault and she goes because it normally is and I don't know I my broke a little for him in this scene I think what's like the most telling about it is like because like in the you kind of get it like in a way like she thinks that he did this and she's very angry because it's like a super expensive boat and they basically were just told like there's no way that they can like recoup the like insurance money for it because it was like operator error or whatever so like I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll give you a pass, you know, for your behavior. But then what's like more telling is like later on in the episode when she finds out that it wasn't actually his fault. And he's like looking 
like at his mom for that like validation he's like see mom like I told you like it wasn't me and she just like doesn't say anything and she just like has like resting bitch face and it's like apologize to your son for blaming him for sinking this boat when it wasn't actually his fault and then she's so ruthless in her like you know wanting to press charges and and you know not caring if like you know these kids like end up in jail or are tried as adults and the cop even tries to like talk her out of it like for a sec he's like you know like are you sure you want to do this and she's just like you know press charges and she's so vile it just makes you like she's clearly cold (laughs) like you know she's clearly very cold and withholding and so that just shows that you know, Topper's not getting any, like, affection or emotion from her. And I think that's why in the earlier episodes in his interactions with Sarah, like, he's so desperate for her, like, love and approval. And so then when she, like, doesn't reciprocate, like, how we saw, like, in their their pseudo-sex scene, he feels so rejected and, like, you know, because he's not getting that from his parent. I mean, it's, like, a very, like, like a you know like a concept in psychiatry that like the Oedipus complex and like Freud where like they say that like everything basically stems back to like your mother but on some level it's true and it can be applied in this case like the the lack of um you know like like caring that he he gets from her I think it it explains it like explains a lot about him and again it doesn't excuse any of his behavior but it explains a lot and you can tell he kind of teeters on the edge between like wanting to be that good guy for Sarah and then just like completely losing his shit like when he gets into the with when he and Rafe like you know get into the fight at the movie theater with JJ and Pope he yeah. really loses it and Rafe even comments like damn like you yeah. almost killed him and he's kind of like you can see in his expression like he's like kind of like shocked yeah. by his own behavior so there's like a lot of like pent up like yeah. rage there that he's just not in touch with and you can see because his mom's the same way right like she's so like put together and like calm but like she's yeah. so angry yeah it's so true and, like, we see it, I think, right off the bat, too, in the pilot when he's, like, almost drowns John B. Like, it's it's interesting. And, like, yeah. That's great. That's great analysis, Callie. Great. Good job. I, I have nothing else. I have nothing I else. Mean, I mean, nailed it. Nailed it. Topper. My guy. <laughs> my guy. My guy, Topper. Shout out, Benjamin. Um but yeah, like I have nothing else to add. That was great. Do you, I think there's that's all I had about Topper. Yeah, that 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 covers all yeah, his, all uh, his moments. moments in this um, this episode. So let's just talk. We have to. I feel like we just need to jump to uh, JJ and Pope because. Yeah, let's do let's it. Go let's go for it. We're going it. all in. You know this. Yes, John B and Sarah Cameron. You know definitely i think the shippiest ship of the series but we're still jj and pope stands forever (laughs) we ship them too and even more so after this episode and so the first interaction we kind of see with them is when um 
you know, Topper and Rafe, they're going to JJ's dad's door. I'm sorry, Pope's dad's store to kind of stalk him and give him like evil eyes. Uh, like, okay, we know that you did it. And so, you know, Pope sees them um, and then he like immediately runs to JJ and it's like, they know, bro, they know, they, they know. Um, and it's just, this is just a, a great interaction. They like, they talk about, JJ kind of talks about the way of the jungle and like how they have to like get back at each other. Um, and this is like, I feel like this is something that Pope has a hard time wrapping his mind around because, you know, Pope is very, you know, he's very innocent, you know, just throughout like these first couple episodes, we see his, his, his innocence. Like, I think I never mentioned it in our first episode, but in the pilot, he's like talking to some chick about like something, something scientific. And then like later in this episode, you know, he's talking about like, this is what a blowjob feels like. And then like JJ's like, bruh, you don't know what a blowjob feels like. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Like, I feel like there's such like an innocence <laughs> and like Pope that we, that we see. And like, you know, JJ kind of helps him kind of, you know, he'll rub off on him. I think more so like, especially episodes like seven, eight, nine, like, you really see it um but you know I feel like you're you're like how are these guys friends because you know JJ is so wild and so impulsive and Pope is together and careful and you're just like how do these guys have each other's backs but they do they do and um you know, we just, we see it. And so, you know, Jade is kind of talking about the way of the jungle and like, this is what we need to do. And JJ and Pope is calmed by it. And there's just like this face caress that JJ does. He like grabs Pope's face. <laughs> and he's like, I think, I don't think he, he doesn't like hold his face. He like kind of hits it. And so to me, endearing um and then you know later would you want to say anything more about that scene i feel like i don't want to keep going if you want to say no that's perfect i mean they're literally um the guys from remember (laughs) the titans like that's literally their relationship it's so like they are brothers from another mother like they're their friendship and their bromance is just it's on like point. in Remember the Titans when, you know, he's like it's right after um he gets hurt. Uh I'm blanking on his name. Um Gary Gary, he, Gary gets hurt and uh Julius like walks in and the nurse is like only kin's allowed in here and he's like that's my brother. And like it, this is this screams their whole relationship. Um, and so then later, you know, we have that episode, or we have that that scene, and then again, we we see more of their their bond. You know, when they're at the outside movie theater with Key, um, 
And, you know, again, we see like more of their intense friendship, you know, they help each other in the fight. And then it concludes with the end with JJ taking the fall for him. And this scene is incredible. Like from the moment, like you hear that Pope's getting arrested, uh, they do such a good job because they like block the sound out. I love that they do that. They like block the sound out. And so you, it's just the camera's just on Pope's face and he's, there's no sound. And I think it's, it's like real life because like if that ever happened to me, if I ever got arrested for something on me would just like seize and like everything would just be like blocked out. And like, you just, you like almost like you're out of your body kind of thing. You like don't know what's happening. And then the first thing you hear is JJ saying, it was me. It's just so. It's, it's like the, it's like his life is flashing before his eyes because he's like, we know about him that, right. Like he's like, he's the one that has, you know, everything to lose like he's a merit scholar he's trying to get a scholarship like he's the smart one he's the talented one like he's the gifted one like he's supposed to do all these things with his life and he's been saying that like throughout the episode episodes like whenever they're like about to do something that's like illegal or dangerous he's like guys can we not do this like can we do do it differently and then so I think like him getting arrested it's like he just wash he's like like watching like everything you know, like, just, like, yeah, like, slip away from him. And then, like, JJ, like, his voice, like, grounds him and, like, brings him back. And it's an interesting, like, parallel, too, because earlier in the season, we see, like, JJ and John B's sort of whole mantra is, like, you know, we have nothing to lose. You know, like, we should just be all in. And then, you know, JJ, he says to Pope, like, you know, like, you have everything to lose. So, like, I mean, the fact that he's, he's, like, sacrificing himself for his friend, especially since, forget even just being, like, arrested and, like, having that on your record and possibly having to do time and pay a fine and all this stuff, you know, the audience doesn't know this yet, but JJ himself knows, you know, that he's going to have consequences at home. And the fact that he like literally like, you know, lays down his life (laughs) essentially, you know, and, you know, puts Pope's well-being, you know, above his own is like so courageous and brave and loyal and, it's it's remarkable, like, you know, these kids are 16, like, and the fact that, you know, most 16-year-olds, they're more concerned about saving themselves. Or even just, like, JJ could have been, like, you know, we both did it, like, and, like, taken mm-hmm. some of the blame um, to kind of, like, share the burden, but he took all of it. Yeah. And, like, you're right, like, it's so rare, like, a 16-year-old to do that, because I feel like... 16-year-old friendships aren't of that bond, but, like, they do, and it's, it's crazy, and it's, and I, I feel, re-watching, I feel like when JJ's in the jail cell, and he's like, 
you know, he like looks distraught. Like I feel like he's just, he, yeah, he's thinking about what he did, but I think he's more concerned about what he's going to have to face at home with his dad. So, which is just like, which makes it even more amazing because like, and, and more like ride or die because he's, there's so much more shit he's going to have to deal with than just like having charges against him as a 16 year old. He's going to have to deal with his alcoholic COVID father who's going to, um, yeah. I think the first time I watched it, I think I texted you. It reminds me so much of uh, Sons of Anarchy and like um, when Opie, I forget what happens, but like Opie takes the fall for Jax and Opie dies because of it. And like Jax watches him die because of it. And it's, I mean, it's not that extreme, but it's reminiscent of it, like that loyalty so just like all of the, yeah. their bond like everyone in that you know bike gang is like you know they're they're yeah. it's a brotherhood and they're they're bonded for life and like the expectation of being in that club is that yeah. you would die like for your brother but I mean they're like you know grown men and they're in their 20s and like these are like kids that are yeah. 16 years old so yeah but yeah, this was the moment where like, I think, I mean, we watched it separately. Like I, I watched the show before Jenny did and I had told Jenny like, you know, just wait until episode four. Like when you get to episode four, you will want to <laughs> die yourself for, you know, these characters. Like it just like, it stirs something up within yeah. like your soul, like it's it's extremely yeah. emotional. I think that's why we like JJ so much. It's not, you know, okay, yeah, we think he's cute. Yeah, he's a bad boy. But, like, it's the loyalty piece that we can't get enough of and what we want to see in every person that we meet and are friends with. <laughs> we want loyalty. Exactly. Um, and so that's why it's it's all about the character development. That's that's what we're here for, y'all. That's what we're here for. Um, I don't know if you noticed during when like JJ takes a fall for Pope looks back at Key. He like gives her this look. Like when he's like going into the cop car, he like looks back at her. And I like so Yeah, I noticed that. Looking for her reaction to what's happening because like, we talked we talked about Rusty, like how she seemed distraught and disgusted by him because he like murdered this rooster but like she didn't seem disappointed this time and I think you know JJ looked back at her to confirm that was okay I I could be yeah Yeah. that's one way that I think that's a good interpretation because earlier too in the episode she's very exasperated by him 
um, because he like brings the gun to mm-hmm. the movie theater and she's basically like, what, what in the yeah. hell are you doing? Like, there's kids here. Like, you can't have this. And she was like kind of pissed at him. And then she's like pissed at both of them because she knows that like something happened um, because like Rafe approaches her and like and tells her, you know, let your boys know, like yeah. we know basically. And so she knows that there's like some funny business going on, but she doesn't know exactly what it is. And, you know, she tells them like, you know, there's a rule, like no secrets between pogues, but they don't tell her again with the loyalty. Like they, they have that, that shit on lock. Um, but yeah, so she is like very, she's like, I think you're right. Like this might be where things start to change for her. Yeah. Um, like we know JJ has a thing for her. Like he admits that in like episode one, but I really do think that like, yeah, she's, she's constantly like exasperated by him, like annoyed by him, like, you know, frustrated. Um, and this might be where she starts to see him like in a, like a, like a little yeah. bit of a different light. I don't know also like shout out to Key like she saves their ass multiple times she's fucking Hermione yeah she's she's of this TV series 100% um right, let's let's talk about uh, obviously we have to talk about John B and Sarah because it's very very John B and Sarah centric episode um you know, so they have little interactions, like, um, you know, like, from the moment that, like, she, like, picks him up off the side of the road because he, like, falls off his bike like an idiot. Um, and then, you know, you see her, like, you know, taking him, taking him back to her, her house to, like, clean him up. And they're, like, he's, like, slapping his hand away slapping his oh pause though jenny as a healthcare professional how do you rate her (laughs) um poor (laughs) yeah okay because i was like i was like okay first off bitch don't be like dumping rubbing (laughs) alcohol on that that's the last thing like can we get some hydrogen peroxide or or saline or i don't know bacitracin or something right to like and then she's rubbing it so aggressively (laughs) i was like you are going to town (laughs) on that thing like can we just like gently dab or something like what is happening here she really goes like hard and like those like abrasions hurt more than like a laceration you know what i mean so yeah like the rubbing alcohol ugh, sarah like no wonder he screamed out loud (laughs) but um yeah like some acetration some like soap and water good old soap would have been fine but it's fine i get why she wanted to disinfect (laughs) um shout out to all the healthcare workers in this time um but yeah so you know we see like such like cute little interactions with them like back at her house like him slapping her hand away they're like calling each other sancho um they're like talking their little accent um 
and you know there's just like so many cute little things that they that they do um so you know they they go to chapel hill and they realize they can't go to chapel hill looking like um these like disgusting people oh sorry one more scene scene i want to talk about before we get into that um there's this scene it's like one of john b's i think best scenes uh he's like talking about his dad uh he's like telling sarah about his dad and he says something about like you know how whales can like talk to each other ocean it's like him calling me like he needs my help and it's it's so moving i feel like you have things to say about it oh yeah this i love this metaphor Mm -hmm. like it's so perfect um because like everyone knows too like when he mentions like oh do you know like that noise that like whales make and he like imitates it and everyone like everyone knows exactly what he means but like I don't think anyone's ever thought of it in this context before like that low like that mourning and that longing and we know um you know spoiler alert that, you know, his dad is actually dead. So his dad isn't really communicating with him clearly, but it's more like, it's like a, you know, symbol of like their, their longing. Mm-hmm. Um, and his like desire to like, you know, get answers and get closer to the truth. And like, this is like what's motivating him to go on. And I just thought that that was such like a beautiful, like, and poetic way of, of like describing like that emotion. Cause I think grief is so, it's like the most universal emotion. Like everyone is going to experience like loss at some point in their life. And yet it's like one of the emotions that like we are the worst at coping Mm -hmm. with or talking about. And so for him to like, you know, for the writers to like paint that image is just, I thought it was so beautifully done. Mm-hmm. And it's also too, like we see them like really opening up for the first mm-hmm. time. And so like they're, I mean, the reason why they like fall in love, like so quickly, you know, is, is because of like this emotional connection and like the fact that he like shares that with her and like opens up, um, you know, about the loss of his dad and like, what that means for him and and how he still feels about it. Um, I also think it's interesting, like, she mentions, like, you know, I don't know what I would do, like, if I was in your shoes, like, you know, I couldn't live without my dad, like, he does everything. But she doesn't, like, we don't really know what happened to Sarah's mom. Yeah, no, we don't. I feel like that's, like, a question mark throughout the show. And I wonder if that's something that's going to get explored more in future seasons. Because, like, she has, like, an... Um, obviously, but we don't really know what the deal with her biological mom yeah. is. Yeah, it's just throwing that out there. No, it's weird. Yeah, it is weird. Um, yeah, I feel like that will definitely be something that we'll learn about, especially because you know we we already talked about this. Like they always bring back the the missing parent somehow. Um, yeah. 
but yeah so you know you're right like this is the first time that like John B like opens up to her and then you know there's later in the episode we see her kind of opening up to him and so it's it's when they're you know they're going to Chapel Hill they're trying to get all these fancy clothes um it's like a cute little interaction they like dress each other um and you know John B kind of slows down and he's like so seriously like why did you come and she says she's like I'm 16 and I already know what the rest of my life looks like and She's like, if I don't get out of the bubble wrap now, I never will. And by the time I'm 30, I'll be an alcoholic and won't even realize it. And I think this is like a true fear that Sarah has. It's so funny because like, I feel like most 16 year olds are so, they're so, they're itching to get out of, you know, their hometown and, you know, escape and do things and, you know, it. she, I think she likes her hometown and, like, you know, being a kook, but, like, she's also scared of it in a way as well. And so, um, it's, it's a real feel, fear for her that she will never be able to truly live. And I think that's why she's attracted so much to John, because, like, Ventress, he's out there and he can give her an escape. Um, so I really liked that, like what she said about. She says something about being around people that have like hollow souls. And I yeah. was like, oh, I love that. Like, you know, instead of using words like shallow or superficial, they used the word hollow and it just like symbolizes like people that yeah. are just like empty. And I think that we see that when we look at some of these other, you know, characters like, you know, that represent like the kooks, like, you know, her stepmom and Topper's mom and um, even Rafe, like, you know, they just, they have no, no substance and they really like, you know, have like somehow lost themselves in all despite having all of this money and access to you know alcohol and and what whatnot um yeah I think that's that's you what you said was perfect like that on the one hand like she loves like you know the outer banks and and her home and and everything but then yeah like she's scared that that might be all that she ever knows yeah um so, you know, they have, you know, this great scene. They finally go to, they go to the Chapel Hill. They find this letter that the slave wrote to his son, um, which was a plot hole. The fact that they snuck onto that boat That's fine. was a plot hole. Also, I don't think I fully realized the first time watching through that they were out all night. You, oh, you mean like all day? They're out all day. Was it not? Like, she says to her dad, she says to him, she's like, my dad's going to be so mad at me for being out all night. Oh, you mean? I don't know. I think. 
I think she just meant later that night. Oh, the, oh, I don't know, though, because it's the next day. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They had, like, a but sleepover. But where, though? On the sh- In the library. Interesting. That's so weird. I didn't get that. Obviously, I didn't get that now. So I'm talking. Interesting. No, I'm pretty sure. Like, I, because, like, there, they spend so much time getting clothes, and then they show up to the yeah, library, and it's yes. pitch black. Which also doesn't make sense because what library is open like at 10 o'clock at night? And then they're like, I think they're like in the library all night. And then it like, and they're like on the ferry. Could I could be completely wrong about this? I think this is my impression. It doesn't make any sense that it's pitch black and then it's, (laughs) it doesn't matter. Yeah. Another plot hole. Also, a third plot hole. It's not a plot <laughs> hole, but I've been to the Outer Banks, and there is a bridge that you can drive to get there. You do not need to be on a ferry. So I do not understand why the ferry is the only way to get <laughs> on and off this island, because they they mention it multiple times, like not just this episode, but like other episodes, like when um, DCF is supposed to come and evaluate him and they're like, oh, well, they, they won't catch a ferry today because of pain. I'm like, you don't need a ferry. <laughs> Maybe you do. Like people, people who are actually from the Outer Banks are going to be like, no, this one particular island that they're on, you have to get on it via ferry. Who knows? I could be completely wrong about this. So don't come at me if I'm wrong. I mean, I don't the entire else, but. <laughs> From what I know about the Outer Banks, it, that is not the true. entire internet. I think is out to get this show anyway because it was not filmed in North Carolina. So people are going to come after us anyway. <laughs> fair, fair. Okay, and so where were we? We're <laughs> talking. I they they found um, the letter that the uh, I forget. His name um, wrote to his son, and that's where we actually find out like where the gold is buried, which we'll find out in later episodes. Um, so again, the scene cuts to the next day, and they're on the ferry back to other um, about you know who they thought the other person was, and you know it's a cute little interaction, and then to them you know getting off the ferry and you know they're again like speaking in their disguises and you know Sarah's like it was a pleasure I had a lot of fun today and then like she like walks away and this whole scene is just like perfection with like the rain I don't know if you had read like an article but I read an article about how they, yes, it yeah. wasn't supposed to actually rain when they filmed the scene. Um, but like it just actually went by the time they came around to actually film it, it was just raining, like it just happened to be raining. So that's how they filmed it, and it turned out perfect. Like John B looks so good wet. <laughs> It was very like, and they 
they said this in the article that it's very like it was supposed to be like reminiscent yes. of a notebook and it was yes. like perfect it was very notebook yes. notebook vibes I love when he so they some cute things that they say to each other um I think John B's like you know yesterday I didn't even know who you were or who he was and now today it's like he says I know that that's Sarah Cameron and like I just love how he says it it's just so cute when he's like that's Sarah Cameron like he like knows her true soul you know and then yeah I I love Love that and then you know he's like I can't pretend and then she's like shut up and then they kiss and she's like I can't pretend either and then they like kiss again and it's I just loved it. I loved it. Loved it. They nailed it. They nailed the scene. Yeah, they nailed it. And it apparently took them multiple takes in the rain. So shout out to them. Shout out to the entire crew. For We just love this fucking show. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, and then the scene ends with... um, you know, like, again, this mysterious man with a compass. He has, you know, John B's compass and this hook, which I feel like this is also a plot hole. Like, do we know who those guys are that that um, he killed? That The mysterious man who we won't say. Who, he, like, killed those two men that were shooting at them in the pilot. But, like, who are they? Do we know who they are? Yeah, we don't really. Yeah, we don't really okay. ever know, and they don't. It does. They don't. Yeah, they matter don't really. The rest of the story. <laughs> and I don't think like so. You find out obviously later on who that man is, and you know he is the one that killed them. But it's going to be interesting if in future there's no repercussions this season. So I wonder if in future seasons that's going to become important like if if you know that person is going to be like convicted for killing them or if it's going to just be like a cold case or something or like maybe but the audience does find out who yeah who who did like also like who are these two men like who like are they searching for the gold too but like i think so yeah I think that's what we're led to believe. Yeah, so yeah we don't know. Another plot hole that we have. We have discovered four plots in this episode. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, so that's that's episode four. We are. This is when we knew. You know, we weren't going to stop watching. <laughs> um, that's all I got. Spy games. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm kind of shocked that we didn't spiral more. But I think that, you know, like in some of the other episodes, there's there's way more going on. Not that there wasn't a lot going on in this episode. Like every episode is action-packed. But it's more like it's a lot of like Sarah and John B like you were talking about it's a lot of JJ and Pope and then it's like a little bit of yeah. Topper and Rafe sprinkled in there um 
Oh, the twat social worker. We didn't mention her. This is her last appearance, right? I don't think she ever really comes I up don't... again. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember, to be honest. Maybe. Callie hates her. <laughs> yeah, she's the worst, so... I think this is like the fact that she is dumb enough to let him get out of the car. Like, yeah. <laughs> why would you do that? Like she should have gotten the car, gotten out of the car and he should have had to stay in the car with the officer. But, but I mean, also like, I know? I'm just, a you're just... myself. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the only well portrayed social worker is the one in life as we know it. I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> like, she is so, though, that social worker in Life as We Know It is amazing. <laughs> For, uh, she, five stars, five stars. <laughs> but, all right, kids, we're out. Spy games. Stay tuned for episode five. Woogity, woogity, woogity. Mm-hmm. <laughs>